This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. Good afternoon. Welcome to Talk Show Presents. I'm Keith Williams, your host. We did have uh, a scheduled guest to come on here, but uh, he is having some difficulties with Zoom. So we uh, will be talking about some hot topics that have recently made the news. Uh, one of the things that made the news uh, locally in Birmingham was the Birmingham Waterworks Board is under fire. Um, I'm going to show you articles. So there's a couple of articles that you know I wanted to share. So with that in mind. Let's start right here. With that in mind, let's we'll start here um, with this article from uh, Fox 6, WBRC, the Fox affiliate here in, uh, in Birmingham. So uh, so in, in this article right here, this article right here, uh, 
uh, Fox Six obviously has been doing has been doing and him doing an ongoing investigation on uh, corruption in the Waterworks Board. And in their investigation, um, they ran into some uh, some secret audio recordings um, from uh, an ex-employee of the Waterworks Board that stem from December of 2021. So exactly what happened. So this former employee, so this former employee, employee of the Birmingham Waterworks Board uh, had uncovered some discrepancies in uh, the building. Uh, before then, they had installed, they had purchased and installed some uh, new software, and obviously that software had a lot of bugs. So because of that, there has been some building issues for roughly almost a year. So this stems back from December of 2021. So um, this employee, which they call Anne, uh, said that, uh, that she and three other uh, members of the building department were fired last December and was accused of falsifying meter readings, a charge that she denied. In fact, Ann says her supervisor accused her of falsifying the readings of a series of meters at new homes in Hoover, but Ann says she was simply following orders. She said she asked for a meter reader to go out and reread the meters because the first reading claimed the homes have not used any water at all. So she was just trying to make sure that the, the, uh, the readings were correct. You know, that this is in Hoover. Uh, she says that she does not agree that 28 homes in Hoover area has zero consumption of water during the summer month. So in other words, there are some people in the city of Hoover, for example, they're not paying, they don't have a water bill, which means they're getting free water. And so there has been claims that, you know, that places such as Hoover are getting a free pass when it comes to uh, receiving services from the Birmingham Waterworks Board. There, there might be some truth in, you know, in this claim because there are 28 homes, according to Anne, there are 28 homes uh, that she disagreed that they did not use any water. That's kind of hard to believe. And that she wanted... Uh, a meter reader to go out to make sure that that was correct, you know, because it's kind of odd that, you know, you're living in a home and you're not using any water. That's, you know, kind of crazy. You know, if you're living in a home and apartment, at some point in time, you're going to be using some kind of water, whether you're washing your car or you're, you're, you're cooking or, you know, you're washing your hands, you're using the toilet, 
or you're taking a bath, some type of water is being used. So for 28, you know, homes, you know, not being built, uh, you know, for water is kind of hard, you know, it's difficult. And uh, this uh, lady that was fired, one of the uh, four people that was fired, she wanted to make sure that this claim, you know, you know, was correct. So she sent a, a reader meter out to make sure that, you know, these homes, that the meters for water and sewer service is being properly used. And according to this short article, it says that uh, the supervisor accuses her of falsifying, you know, meters. So this is in, in the latest uh, fiascos uh, from the Birmingham Waterworks Board and is currently being investigated by Jonathan Harston from uh, Fox 6 WBRC-TV in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, he has been doing an ongoing investigation to the Waterworks Board for almost a year now. And there are a lot of things about the search. And so there's actually like, you know, a secret recording uh, that came out that alleges that uh, the building department, you know, was ordered basically to, you know, falsify, not only falsify meter readers, but also, uh, you know, make uh, unclaimed adjustments to people's water bills. And so this right here, this article that you're looking at right now is just, you know, a series of things that are getting ready to come out, uh, such as this recording. Uh, unfortunately, due to copyright rules, I'm not able to uh, play this clip, but that is kind of like uh, what we're dealing with here uh, when it comes to, so that's just one, so that's just one instance. Okay, let's uh, check out another instance. Okay, so uh, again, this has to do with the Waterworks Board this is another article on the Waterworks Board. Um, there is a public hearing that is scheduled at the Birmingham Waterworks Board uh, headquarters on November the 9th at 5.30 p.m. Um, so there's been a lot of backlash over the uh, uh, proposed increase of water and sewer bills. Originally, it's going to be 8%. But after a lot of backlash, they are considering a smaller, you know, rate increase. So it's either going to be 4.9%, 5.9%, or 6.9%. Uh, you know, again, this is... Uh, this was actually published like three days ago, um, again by Jonathan Hardison, who uh, has been investigating the corruption with the Birmingham Waterworks Board since December of 2021. And so in this article, the original proposed 8.3% increase 
two weeks ago had met with a lot of backlash. So now they're deciding whether it was going to be uh, either a 4.9% increase, a 5.9% increase, or or a 6.9% increase, even though it's still kind of up in the air, you know, whether or not they're going to uh, remain, the, the bond will remain to be 8.3%. So there was, so that 8.3% uh, increase had met with considerable uh, protests from uh, from right players at their regular schedule uh, meeting, which was a couple of days ago, uh, this past uh, this past Tuesday, October the twelfth. So they're they're still having billing issues. Um, some bills are in the hundreds of uh, dollars and according to this article uh one one customer you know said that the bill is uh, over a thousand dollars and they still have not addressed the software this uh, billing software discrepancies and so there's been a lot of backlash and uh a lot of uh protests is going on uh, we know that in the city of Birmingham, the, we have very old infrastructure up here, so that's kind of making things worse. And with the money that Birmingham Waterworks Board have received, uh, they have not done anything to upgrade any of the type of uh, infrastructure, you know, in the city as far as water and sewer lines is concerned. So this is part of the backlash that's going on right now with the Birmingham Waterworks Board. So according to communications director, Rick Jackson, um, he said that uh, there has really been no consensus rather of how much the rate will be. Um, they want to proceed with this, uh, you know, public hearing, you know, to see what the customers, you know, have to say. Now, we know that this is all smoke and mirrors because they've done this before. In the last five years, uh, there have been up to six rate increases, despite the uh, public hearings, you know, that they have. So I don't know what difference this is going to make, but the people are still encouraged to attend this public hearing and make their voices heard. So they can't say, well, you know, we don't hear from my customers. Yeah, you will have opportunity to hear from uh, the customers, okay? So again, the Birmingham Waterworks Board will have a public hearing to allow customers to voice their opinions about any proposed rate increase on November the 9th, 2022, that meeting is at 5.30 p.m. And sometimes shortly after that, the board will, you know, vote on, on exactly, you know, what the percentage is gonna be. But again, that public hearing is on 
November the 9th at 5.30 p.m. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, so that's uh, so that's that. And now we got so there's another article here. So in this article, again, is another article by uh, Jonathan Hardison, and uh, he's been uh, investigating uh, this. You know, he's been investigating the fiasco with the Birmingham Water Works Board. And it looks like the Alabama Attorney General, Steve Marshall, is now involved. So let's see what happened here. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall's office is asking the Birmingham Water Works Board to turn over a long list of detailed documents relating to the utility's potential rate increase in a move and a move the signal increased scrutiny from the attorney general's office of the largest water system in the state. This is where uh, the attorney general's office spokesperson Mike Lewis said. The attorney general's office consumer interest division requested the Birmingham Water Works Board provide baseline budget documents to better assess assesses the need for the utility board recent, recently announced rate increase. So in other words, they're asking for a justification on why the Birmingham Border Works Board should increase their rates. The Consumer Interest Division Chief is asking that the utilities provide as many other requested documents as possible immediately and asking for a meeting with the Birmingham Waterworks Board general manager to go over more information relating to the utilities operations and budget planning and rate setting process next week. Uh, so in other words, the state has gotten involved in it and looks like there's going to be a state investigation in regards to the, the corruption that's going on the Birmingham Waterworks Board. That is something that that myself and other uh, activists and community organizers have been fighting for for months. That we we were asking that the state and or the federal government, you know, get involved because it's too much corruption going on around here. And so, of course, this article was uh, was presented on Thursday. So this was published on Thursday that we now know that the state has been, we know that the state is involved and they are planning on launching their own investigation into several questionable related practices to include uh, the utilities operations, budget planning and the rate setting process. And they are not playing. They're looking for this now. Uh, so we should probably. This is, of course, a developing story. And they're they're not kidding. They're not playing here. You know, they're asking for uh, information as soon as possible. And they would like to have a meeting with the general manager to discuss these issues. So apparently the, the state attorney general uh, office have gotten involved 
in this situation. This is a developing story, so we will continue to uh, keep you abreast of, of what's going on in, in regards to the Birmingham Waterworks Board. So uh, that is a major local issue here. Let's see what else we got. Um, also in the news, Chelsea High School parents concerned over students saying racially slurs in a video. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, hold on just a second. Uh, Chelsea is Chelsea is a sub is a Birmingham it's a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, located in Shelby County. It's, it's roughly it's roughly about thirty minutes south of, of Birmingham. So this this uh, this situation arose when uh, a local activist here um, had posted uh, a TikTok video um, concerning uh, her son uh, being uh, racially targeted at Chelsea High School um, using racial slurs. And so that's what this article, you know, is about. Um, Chelsea High School parents concerned for Black students at the school. This comes after a video of a student saying a racial slur was airdropped to a classmate's phone. The, uh, this, this is a statement from the Chevy County School District. District leaders and administrators at Chelsea High School has completed an investigation into a video involving students that included a racial slur. The offending student has been identified and will face appropriate consequences as outlined in the Shelby County Schools Code of Conduct. So according to this activist uh, uh, follow-up video on Facebook, uh, she said that the student in question, you know, who mentioned a racial slur and had distributed uh, throughout students at that school only receive a five-day suspension, only five days. And she has also made several uh, uh, racially motivated uh, threats, which in most cases will qualify for that student to be expelled from school. Um, that has not happened. She only, this student only received a five-day suspension before returning to school. And uh, parents at Chelsea High saying that that's not enough. In response to parents not being notified about the incident. So yeah, the students have not been notified you know, of this event. So normally if you have cases like this or you have, you know, like threats of violence, like if someone, uh, you know, said they was gonna blow up a school or something, 
or there may be uh, threats of a uh, school shooting. Um, notices normally go out to every single parent of every student that goes to that school. So this should be no different. So in response to parents not being notified about the incident, school officials says this. The school notified parents who have children who were directly involved in this specific incident. Generally, it is not our practice to notify the entire school regarding matters of discipline. The students involved were disciplined according to the code of conduct, but we are not at liberty to discuss the specifics of that punishment. So you can basically go to this page right here to learn more about uh, this incident. And okay, so that's, that's pretty much it. So, uh, you know, obviously that is a major, uh, so obviously that that is a major topic, you know, as, as well uh, at this uh, Birmingham Suburban uh, High School. Okay. Let's see what else we got. This is local stuff. Okay, um, so moving so moving on and, and real quick uh, So the the so the uh, last day of the um, January six commission hearings was held on Thursday, October the thirteenth, and we're just going to kind of give you a background, you know, information on this. Um, for those of you who have not been following uh, this uh, national story, the public hearings of the United States House Selected Committee on the January 6th attacks, often called the January 6th hearings, are ongoing series of televised congressional investigations by the United States House Selected Committee on the January 6th attack about the events relating to the January 6th United States Capitol attack. In July 2021, the House Selected Com Select Committee held a preliminary public hearing about the law enforcement experience during the mob violence of that day. In 2022, the committee held live televised public hearings. The New York Times presented a detailed summary of the eight hearings held in June and July. And the ninth one was held two days ago. So the first hearing was held on July 9th, 2022. The chair and vice chair, Democratic Benny Thompson and Republican Liz Cheney, respectively, said that President Donald Trump tried to stay in power even though he lost the 2020 presidential election. 
Thompson said it was a coup. Cheney said the hearings will present evidence showing that Trump used a seven-part plan culminating in a January 6th attack on the Capitol. The committee has been calling live witnesses, most of whom are Republicans, and some are Trump's lawyers. They testify under oath. The committee is also making extensive use of video from a number of sources, including sworn position testimony attained early. During this hearing, the committee shared footage of the attack and discussed involvement of the Proud Boys, uh, which is uh, an extremist. Uh, they are a far, they are a far right extremist group. And this also includes testimony from a documentary filmmaker who is also a filmmaker and a member of the Capitol Police. So what is this seven-part plan that they was talking about? The seven-part plan. So what is, so what is the seven-part plan? Oh, here we go. We found it. Okay, so this is... Okay, so this is the Trump administration's seven-part plan to overturn the 2022 election, according to the January 6th committee. Number one, Trump had knowledge that he lost the 2020 election, but spread misinformation to the American public and made false statements claiming significant voter fraud, which led to his defeat that led to his defeat. Number two, Trump plans to remove and replace the attorney general, the Justice Department officials in an effort to force the Department of Justice to support false allegations of election fraud. Number three, Trump pressured Vice President Pence, Mike Pence, to refuse certified electoral votes in the official count on January 6th which is in violation of the U.S. Constitution. Number four, Trump pressured state lawmakers, election officials to alter election results in his favor. Now there are particularly in states like Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin specifically. Trump's legal team and associates directed Republicans in seven states to produce and send fake alternate electoral states slates to Congress and the National Archive. Number six, Trump summoned and assembled a destructive mob in Washington, D.C. and sent them to march on the Capitol. And number seven, Trump ignored multiple requests to speak out in real time against the mob violence, refused to instruct his supporters to disband and fail to take any immediate action to halt attacks on capital. So this is Trump's seven-part plan on how he was going to overthrow the 2020 election. And mindful you, you have several members of Congress, including Georgia Representative 
Marjorie Taylor Greene and Alabama Representative Bo Brooks were directly involved, and including several other Republicans, senators and representatives that were directly involved in the attack of the U.S. Capitol. And, and many other Republican senators and representatives support the notion that not only there was election fraud, but they also supported directly and or indirectly any activities that related to the U.S. Capitol attacks on January 6, 2021. So that is a seven point plan, okay? Now we will go to the second hearing, which took place on June 13, 2022. In the second hearing, this was focused on evidence showing that Trump knew he lost and the most of his inner circle knew claims of fraud did not have merit. William Barr testified that Trump had become attached from reality because he continues to promote conspiracy theories and push the stolen election myth without interest in what the actual facts were. That's the second thing. In the third hearing, which took place on June 16, 2022, in this hearing, there was, it was examined how Trump and others pressured Vice President Mike Pence to selectively discount electoral votes and overturn the election by unconstitutional means, using John Eastman's fringe legal theories as justification. So what, what is that? So, so what is this fringe legal theory? Okay, well, let's look at that. <laughs> The Eastman Memos, also known as Coup Memos, are documents by John Eastman, an American law professor retained by then President Donald Trump, advancing the fringe legal theory that the U.S. Vice President has unilateral authority to reject certified state letters, which would have affected a nullifying election in order to produce an outcome desired by the Vice President such as results in the vice president's own party fate. Trump and Eastman used the memos in an unsuccessful campaign to pressure then Vice President Mike Pence into preventing or nullifying the 2021 United States Electoral College vote count and eventually overturned the 2020 United States election of Joe Biden so that Trump would could remain would retain power. The Trump campaign engaged Eastman with a formal retainer agreement signed on December 5th, 2020, for services in litigation in litigating the election outcome. The memoirs have been described as an instruction manual, which became known as a coup d'etat. So in other words, they're trying to basically overthrow the government so that Trump will remain in power. So that's where the Eastman 
Minmos or the Eastman French legal theory entails. The fourth hearing on June 21st, 2022, included appearances by election officials from Arizona and Georgia, who excuse me, who testified they were pressured to find votes for Trump and change results in their jurisdiction. The committee revealed attempts to organize fake states of alternative electors and established that Trump has a direct and personal role in the effort. In other words, they was going to, they was going to put out there some fake electors. That was orchestrated by Trump to infiltrate the Capitol in an attempt to overthrow the 2020 presidential election. There is video of that as well. And I thought that was handled beautifully by the Capitol Police. The fifth hearing on June 23rd, 2020, focused on Trump's pressure campaign on the Justice Department to rubber stamp his narrative of a stony election. The instances are numerous debunked election fraud conspiracy theories, requests to seize voting machines, and Trump's efforts to install Jeffrey Clark as acting attorney general. <laughs> The inclusive witness of the sixth hearing on June 28, 2022 was Cassidy Hutchinson, top aide to former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Conversation with Trump's inner circle reveals White House officials knew days in advance of January 6th that violence was possible. Her testimony shows Trump knew supporters at the Eclipse rally were armed with AR-15s and other weapons, and that he wanted less strategy security checks at his speech. Trump planned to join the crowd at the Capitol and became enraged when Secret Service refused his request. And closing he and, and the closing of this particular hearing. Representative Liz Cheney presented evidence that witness tampering may have occurred. This was also the instance to where uh, many of your Republican senators and representatives, including Mo Brooks and Marjorie Taylor Greene, were directly and or indirectly involved in the mob on the U.S. Capitol, and that they was behind the entire planning of this mock event at the Capitol days before it took place. The seventh hearing on July 12, 2020, show how Roger Stone and Michael Flynn connected Trump to domestic militias like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys that helped coordinate the attack. Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, of course, are extreme right-wing um, terrorists, domestic terrorists 
organizations who Trump used to help coordinate the attack. Roger Stone and Michael Flynn, of course, has been tried and been convicted of conspiracy. As many of the individuals from Oak Keepers and Proud Boys, uh, they have been apprehended and tried and convicted by Federal Bureau, by the FBI. And of course, that is going on now. All right. The eighth hearing on July 21st, 2022, presented evidence and details of transfusion to call off the attack on the Capitol, despite several hours of repeated pleas from numerous officials and insiders. According to the New York Times, this final July hearing focused on evidence and witness testimony that highlight two significant positions that the Selected Committee wanted to communicate to the American people. First, Representative Lynn Cheney made the case that Trump should never hold office again asking, can a president who's willing to make the choice, choices Donald Trump made during the violence of January 6th ever be trusted with any position authority in our great nation again? Secondly, there were urgent calls for legally binding federal investigations into the actions of former president and his associates. If there is no accountability for January 6th for every part of this scheme, I fear we will not overcome the ongoing to our said Representative Benny Thompson. There must be stiff consequences for those responsible. And then we have the most recent hearing, ninth hearing on October 13, 2022, may be the final hearing, though Vice President. Vice Chair Cheney wants more hearings. The hearings presented videos of Roger Stone and evidence that some Trump associates plan to claim victory in the 2020 election regardless of the election results. The committee voted unanimously to subpoena Trump. A 10th hearing is possible. On October the 6th, Vice Chair Cheney was reported to have pledged additional. Moreover, following the committee's decision to subpoena former President Trump, follow-up hearings may be likely. So former President Trump is now has been subpoenaed by this uh, by this committee. So more than likely, there will be there will be a 10th hearing. We're not sure when that's going to take place. Stay tuned for more information on that. And so, yeah, you can read this from Wikipedia. It's very, you know, very detailed. They kind of break, you know, break everything down. But that's kind of like the summary, you know, of what's going on. So, Let's go to what happened a couple of days ago. So this basically was like a three hour hearing. 
which took place this past Thursday, October 13th at 1 p.m. It was originally scheduled for September 28th, but postponed due to the devastation of Hurricane Ivan, Ian in Florida. The hearing focused on evidence and testimony regarding Trump's involvement in events surrounding the attack of the Capitol, as well as the information on the controversial website www.vdonald.we. Newly released videos of Nancy Pelosi, her Congress members, and lawmakers at their secure location during the attack. Newly released videos on the rioters' reaction to Trump's go home message, and newly released text from Secret Service agents demonstrating the awareness and warning signals of the potential threat to both Pence and Congress in advance of January 6th. The committee was also expected to vote on its next investigative steps and also unanimously voted to subpoena Donald Trump to make him testify. Among those shown in the video testimony footage were former president former Trump administrative officials, Mike Navalny and Elaine Chaney. Representative Jamie Herrera Buchan, a Republican from Washington. Also, they also gave video testimony about what she claimed Kevin McCarthy told her about her, by his phone uh, conversation with Trump. Kevin McCarthy, of course, is, uh, the uh, minority leader in, I believe he's a minority leader even in the Senate. I mean, I think he's a minority leader in the Senate or House of Representatives, one of those two. So he is a minority leader in Congress. Video testimony was also shown of former Twitter employee, Anika Naravali, who was revealed to have previously testified unanimously. Remember Twitter and all the major social media uh, platforms uh, because of Donald Trump's claim of election fraud, the major social media platforms have permanently terminated his account. So he is pretty much banned from all of social media until further notice. Although the committee has already interviewed uh, Jeannie Thomas, it didn't feature any of her testimony in this public hearing. Video of Roger Stone was also presented as well as evidence that some of Trump's associates plan to claim victory in 2020, regardless of the election results. Stone was also shown endorsing the right to violence. So he's not the only one. If you uh, listen to Alabama, uh, Congressman Mo Brooks' uh, speech, that's another example of endorsing violence. So this is pretty much the synopsis of the ninth meeting or the ninth hearing that took place. You can look at this link right here at the top to get more information uh, about that. 
So that's a big thing in the news. All right, so what else we have? There's this. There's also uh, there's also an, uh, an interesting story about. There's also an interesting story about uh, Birmingham Mayor Randall Wilson. Um, stating that uh, you know the reason why you know Birmingham is not able to. Uh, you know, get any resources to fix the flooding uh, was due to systematic racism. Um, in a moment, I'm going to find, uh, I'm going to find that article, you know, as well, because uh, that article, of course, is sparking some controversy as well. And then next, we're going to talk about that big debate between, uh, and, uh, in Georgia between uh, Republican Herschel Walker and a Democratic incumbent, Reverend Ralph Warner. Okay, I found it, so just wait for a moment to pull up. Birmingham Mayor Randall Wilson blames city flooding issues on climate change and racism. Uh, this article has given uh, this article has gotten a lot of backlash from uh, from activists and community organizers in the city of Birmingham um, who uh, claim that the city <coughs> had the money and the resources to address flooding but have refused to do so. I'ma let you listen to it. Birmingham Mayor Woodfin blames flood issues on climate change and racism. Institute, where municipal leaders, academics, businessmen, and artists from around the globe discuss ways to improve urban environments, from leading their communities through pandemic recovery to welcoming refugees from global conflicts to combating climate change. There, Woodfin spoke about how Birmingham's history and geography have created the perfect storm for flash flooding conditions. I've been serving as mayor for the last five years. What I didn't know when I signed up for the job was that I would also have to compete with extreme weather events, such as flash flooding, Woodfin said. Remember, we sit in a bowl, 
So we've already been dealing with tornadoes pretty much since time. But over the last two years, with these extreme weather events and the humidity in Birmingham and all these other things that converge at one time, just since January 1, everybody, we've had 86 water rescues in a city that's landlocked. That's kind of extreme when you think about it for firemen and firewomen who sign up for a job to put out fires, but they're doing water rescues. Woodfin said the city's 27,000 inlets, 18,000 have been assessed and found to be past their lifespan. To repair stormwater infrastructure to get it where it needs to be it would cost roughly half a million dollars, he said. The city has looked at repurposing empty lots and planting more trees, he said, but the biggest impact might come from partnering with the federal government through Joe Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law. This bill is a once-in-a-lifetime for a city like Birmingham to get water infrastructure right, and that will be probably our main partner, Woodfin said. When asked how race and equity have impacted flooding in Birmingham, Woodfin discussed how he believed historical racism affected the layout of the city, leaving black neighborhoods in the worst areas for pollution and flooding. Race sits at the center of the city of Birmingham and has been since probably its inception, Woodfin said. I would dare say we're probably the poster child for redlining neighborhoods. In the steel industry, black residents and their neighborhoods were right by these plants. So, well before we talk about these extreme weather patterns, the intentional design of redlined neighborhoods by putting black residents in a city that's now 70% black, Putting black residents near these smokestacks, living in floodplains, living in areas where your ingress and egress is surrounded by train tracks on all sides, all of this was definitely intentionally deliberate. So in the last five years, everything we do is centered around justice, racial equality. Woodfin touted his office's Division of Social Justice and Racial Equality, adding that climate change has to be a part of the conversation. These extreme weather patterns are affecting those same neighborhoods I just described more so than any other areas of town where they may stay on hills or heights, he said. He ended his remarks with a call for a nonpartisan effort to address water-related climate issues. Water, as we know, it is basically a necessity of life. It doesn't have to be a divide on solving the issue. It doesn't have to be Republican, Democrat, urban, or rural. This is an issue we should all be behind to try to figure out how to solve, particularly on the extreme weather pattern side. To connect with the author of this story or to comment, email daniel.taylor at 1819news.com. Don't miss out. Subscribe to our newsletter and get our top stories every weekday morning. Article by Daniel Taylor, 1819news. Um, there, there's several things I want to address in this article. First of all, uh, first, first, first of all, I don't agree necessarily that the flooding in North Birmingham is due to systematic racism. Here's why I believe that. What we're dealing with here is, is poor infrastructure that years long before Wiffen became mayor, 
has always been an issue in the last 50, 60 years that has never been addressed by any recent man this year me. Not not even uh not even Richard Ayrton, you know, have addressed it. So in other words, for almost half a century plus, citizens of Birmingham have watched the infrastructure deteriorating at each day as we walk these streets. Also, too, you have uh, clogged sewage and you have clogged drains, which are filled with trash, dirt, and debris that has never been cleaned from public works from any administration with the exception of the late Larry Langford. So I, I can't really put all of this on systematic racism. And I can't necessarily uh, use climate change as an excuse for this neither because when you look around the city, you, you, see, uh, you see crumbling infrastructure and you see uh, claw drains of trash, dirt, and debris. A perfect example of this in the city of Birmingham would be near UAB uh, under the Viaduct on 6th Avenue, which connects basically your Western neighborhoods with UAB and downtown. For the past 50 plus years, there has always been a flooding issue there in which there was uh, clogged drains and deteriorating pipes. And I'm happy to say for that instance that that problem was fixed, which started on First uh, Street and Sixth Avenue South, all the way to roughly about maybe 12th or 13th Street and Sixth Avenue South, where the heart of UAB is. So that whole area, roughly probably like maybe a half a mile or a mile radius had to be fixed. Because you fix one section of it, the problem is going to seep to other, you know, other nearby areas. So you have to fix the whole area. And so that was at a cost of roughly about $3 billion, you know, to fix that. And I probably imagine it'd be in hundreds of millions of dollars to fix the infrastructure throughout the city of Birmingham as, as you know, again, it's been a very long time that the city has ever addressed it uh, flood. And one of the things that they could do is actually uh, clean the drains, remove the dirt, remove the trash, uh, remove the debris, that would kind of help some uh, alleviate some of the flooding that's, you know, that's been going on. You know, and of course, there are some parts of the flood zone. You know, to which the people that are living in the area, they actually have to purchase flood insurance. And that's due in part to, uh, to rent, when we get torrential, when that's torrential rains in uh, Valley Creek, 
which is probably the consensus of where most of the flooding is coming from. But uh, over that period of time, the city of Birmingham had obtained numerous of, uh, of grants and money from uh, state and federal agencies to address the problem. They could have also used some of the CARES Act money, the American Rescue Care you know, Act money and other uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 related assistance that was offered by the federal government between 2020 and 2021. That did not happen. In fact, the city has swindled millions of dollars that could have went to, to repair some of the, the, the crumbly infrastructure, to clean out the drains, and to repair some of these cracked streets. But that has not happened. But he's going to blame it on climate change and systemic racism is nothing but a bunch of bull in my book. And if you go to the response, you know, on this on social media, you know, I can see that a lot of people agree with that statement, that the city had an opportunity to address this issue, and they have chosen not to. So now you're going to blame somebody else. Climate change and systematic for a problem that you, Randall Wolfen, had inherited, but yet you decide not to do anything about it, but yet you would travel to another country to discuss this problem rather than doing so in your own city. I think that is ridiculous. It is a sorry excuse for a leader who refused to accept responsibility for his action. Instead, you plant, you are blaming it on other people and other scenarios. Instead of instead of uh, owning up to, instead of saying I made a mistake, and I'm owning up to my mistake. It is pathetic that you not even discussing with your own constituencies, yet you go to another country and talk to people about a matter that does not even concern them, another country. I mean, I mean, he didn't even, you know, you know go to another part of, of the United States. He went to Amsterdam, the Netherlands, a country thousands of miles away in another continent to discuss something that has no direct effect on them. Now I can definitely see where the backlash is with this. You know, this is this right here is nothing but a cop out, you know, excuse. And the mayor and the city council here in the city of Birmingham they need to own up to their mistakes and they need to fix it. Most importantly, we need to, you know, most importantly, they need to be held accountable. 
I am not in the business of cleaning up other people's mistakes. If I make a mistake, I need to own up to that mistake and I need to take care of my own mistakes. I should not have to do other people's job. They're being elected to a certain position for which he's being paid for. You need to do your job. But it's unfortunate that we got people in office that are not that promise one thing and they do something as if they were stupid enough to fall for their schemes of manipulation is nothing but a whole big scam. You know, how in the world that you would accept chunk change just to vote against your own interests? It is pathetic. And so that's why I keep saying that elections have consequences. We warned you guys that this stuff was going to happen. But y'all didn't listen. I mean, you don't think I'm in, uh, you don't think that I'm important enough to know what's going on in Birmingham. You don't think I'm important enough to be listened to. And then when these things do manifest, you, 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 ex number one, you try to hold me accountable. And number two, you want me to fix it. I am not the one you should be holding accountable. You need to be holding accountable your mayor and your city council. Those are the people that you elected. You did not elect me. You did not elect me mayor. You did not elect me to be on the city council. So why are you holding me accountable for something that I did not do? Wake up, folks. They're not who they say they are. You know, and if you are blinded by, you know, these, uh, you know, chunk chains, you're just as crazy as they are. But again, we warned y'all, we warned y'all that this stuff was going to happen. You didn't believe us. So we say, okay, you know, we just sit back, you know, and just let it happen. And that's exactly what happened. So now that you heard all of this stuff that we warned y'all is going to happen, are you going to listen now or are you going to continue to turn a deaf ear? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If we do not hold these folks accountable, we are going to be out of the city of Birmingham. Or we're going to be out in the streets. Homeless. Is that what you want? To be moved out of your homes? Because their area is being overpriced? because you're not being heard. You're not getting the city services. You deserve justification or whatever you want to call it. Is that what you want? By y'all turning the deaf ear to the issues and not get rid of the people, they are not doing their job. That's exactly what you're asking for. And I have no control. I have no control over that. I can only do my part in holding our elected officials accountable. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself, but I hope that you get the picture and that you're waking up and, and see that everything is not what it appears to be. You are living a blind reality. 
It looks real. It sounds real. But it's not real. Wake up, people. We have an election that's coming up, you know, in, in October. And, and by the way, why, why, why are we talking about, you know, elections? Let's talk about this uh, real quick. Let's talk about, so, so, so let's talk about, so let's talk about this Georgia Senate. So let's talk about this U.S. Senate. So let's talk about this U.S. US Senate race in Georgia. <clears throat> okay, let's let's so let's talk about that. So that has been. So that 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 has been a major uh so that has been a major topic, you know, in the news right now. And uh, there was so there there was a, a debate between Republican Herschel Walker and Democratic incumbent Raphael Warren that took place last night. And this is one of those, uh, this is one of many toss-up seats you know, in the election, including uh, including a representative seat that's uh, currently held by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, so real quick here, I don't know why these things keep popping up here. Just a second. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker clashed over abortion voting rights and board, including personal issues during the first and only debate in the Georgia Senate race last month. Georgia is home to one of the most competitive Senate contests of the 2022 cycle, which could determine who controls the 50-50 split chamber next year. As of, as of late, the race has been consumed by allegations that Walker, a former NFL star, paid an ex-girlfriend to terminate a pregnancy over a decade ago. The 60-year-old GOP contender who opposes abortion has ultimately denied that he gave the unnamed woman any money for the procedure. In the wake of the Walker controversy, however, polls show Georgia remains a toss-up state. An October survey conducted by Civic shows Warnock leading by 3% of unlikely vote, which is also the poll's 4.6 margin of error. So Warnick is leaving the polls by 3% in Georgia for this race. Republicans who have stuck by Walker had increased their attacks, focusing largely on Warner's support of President Biden, who was unpopular in the peach state. 
here are some takeaways from yesterday's debate. At onset and through most of the debate, Walker urged voters to ignore the senator's sweet talk and think about their own economic situation. He regularly used the president as a battering ram against the Democratic incumbent. You know, so again, you got a lot of Republicans obviously have this delusional idea that Joe Biden is running for office. And again, they're using this fear tactic mechanism you know, to, again, to get people to vote for their own interests. You know, that's among a vast majority of Republicans in all 50 states. It's, it's the same calling card. Anxiety about the economy inflation coupled with Biden's popularity are a major attack line for Republican candidates leading into the final weeks of the 2022 midterm. So here are some facts. Consumer prices in September increased 8.2% from a year prior, down from an 8.3% rise in August and four decade high of 9.1% in June. Walker regularly reminds viewers Warner has supported the president's agenda 96% of the time. So while Walker has supported the GOP agenda 100% of the time, the website 58, I mean 538, which measures political data, shows Warnet votes in line with the president's position at a rate of 96.4%. Warnet acknowledged that Georgia is being hit hard by the country's economic woes, but pointed to how companies are ranking in profits too. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with that. You know, I kind of agree with that. It's, it's been a lot of uh, price gouging in the last couple of years. So I kind of agree with that. Look at your oil companies. So what does our Herschel Walker said on Instagram? Uh, Warnock, of course, uh, he voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, in which every single Republican, whether you're in the Senate or the House of Representatives, have voted against it. This also, in this act, it also includes a provision to cap prescription drug prices, such as insulin for seniors, uh, which is definitely a good idea because, you know, we know now that uh, a lot of seniors cannot even, you know, afford, you know, food or medicine. So they have to decide, you know, you know, either or, um, because many of our seniors have limited income. Walker, of course, opposing legislation.
the moderator point blank asked Walker to respond to allegations that he had paid an ex-girlfriend to get an abortion and urged her to have a second. From the debate stage, he repeated the claim are a lie. He also said he is not backing down, that he has been transparent about his life in memoirs. So there you go. You got these people that are claimed to be Christian that have not uphold any of the principles of the Christian faith. That has been Republican uh, stronghold, and they have not lived up to, you know, that either. So why? So why is this allegation? Uh, so why is this allegation being surfaced? Obviously, the GOP uh, had a mastermind attack on abortion, to which Wolf versus Way has been overturned. Sorry about that. And then you have this person, uh, Walker, who is said that he's against abortion, is alleged to pay his ex-girlfriend to have an abortion. So there's some type of so there, there's some type of hypocrisy that's going on here. So ultimately, many people said that, so ultimately, you know, of course, Walter, of course Walker said that uh, Biden did not win the 2020 election. And we know that that's, and so is every other Republican. So ultimately, many people said that uh, that Warnock had, had won this debate, even though uh, there are some people that said that was pretty much uh, a toss-up. But that 3%, you know, but that uh, 3% uh, um, margin that Warnock has kind of speaks volumes, you know, to say that the Democratic incumbent senator in Georgia have won this debate. And that's pretty much your hot topics for today. Uh, we will continue to have more coverage on the Birmingham Waterworks Board situation, as well as the 2022 midterm general election. So stay tuned to the RCLA broadcast section for complete coverage of these and other events. Until then, this is Keith Williams from Talk Show Presents. Thank you. Have a good day.
Audio Jungle. Jungle. expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is a presentation of OBS News, which is responsible for the guests and comments. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.